What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back with another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 43. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are all far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. You guys know what you got to do, though. You got to like... You got to subscribe. You got to tell a friend to tell a friend. Head over to YouTube. Head over to Spotify. Head over to Apple. Head over to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Mr. Fourth and Long on all of those sites. Like us, subscribe, hit the notification button. That way you never miss anything. You don't miss drops. You don't miss notifications. You don't miss the audio. None of that. Make me a part of your everyday. Fit me into your life schedule. Make me a part of what you do each day. In every day of the week. If this is your first time listening, I hope that you enjoy it because you are in for a spectacular ride and unfiltered with Jesse Holly. But, you know, you guys know how I like to do. I like to give my motivation at the beginning because let's be honest, most of you guys aren't going to be here at the end. But before you go, I ask that you go and you listen to at least three episodes. By the time you get this one, 43 of them things will be out there. Find three out of the 43, load them up, listen for about 15 minutes apiece or more. If you don't like what you hear, find three more. And then keep searching till you find the one that you like and you begin to love me. I'm so lovable. I really am. But we are, we are here to... To give you the the sports conversations unfiltered, to give you honest opinions, to give you factual statements, to give you film breakdowns. We 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 survey it all. We talk about it all. And I want you along for the ride. All right, man. Here we go. Let's get this motivation out the way. Off the top, this one comes from a really good friend of mine, a brother of mine. I love his family. I, I, I love his dad. I love his brothers. I love his late mom. She's an amazing woman. This comes from my boy, Trent Shelton. If you know Trent, Trent Rehab Time. So uh, if you don't follow Trent Shelton, go and follow him. An amazing, amazing brother, man. Love me some Trent Shelton and all that what he does. But he says this. Trent says, desire is not enough when dedication is absent desire is not enough when edu- when dedication is absence desire says i want it but dedication says i'm not stopping until i get it a lot of times we all come into this thing called life with these hopes and these desires of the things that we want we think about we fathom about and sometimes some of those things are, are, are so far away from us simply because we don't have the dedication to, to, to go get them. We have the desires. We have the thought process. We have them up on our manifestation boards and we're telling our friends about them and our family about them. We pillow talking about them. We look at online. We hitting them. We saving them into Pinterest. We putting them in the file of the things uh, 2024 going to be. I'm going to get the, the desires of me to get these things in 2024. But you lack the dedication. You lack what it takes to go and get those things that you desire. Like Trent said, desire is I want it. Dedication is I'm not going to stop till I get it. 
And those two things are very different. Though they may look the same or sound the same or feel the same, they have very different actions. Dedication has different actionables than desires. Dedication takes a level of courage, of strength, of an unwavering faith. Desire is just things you think about. So while many of you may have these desires, and even the Bible talks about it, that God will give you the desires of your heart, but you got to be dedicated to his word. I ain't going to go biblical on you, but that's his Bible. You got to have a level of dedication that gets to that desire. You, your dedication has to be built to the relationship. And from there, you get the desires of your heart. You don't get the desires of your heart for nothing. No, there has to be a level of dedication that's there. The dedication is the key that opens up the doors and let those desires flow freely. So make sure that everything that you have on your boards and your mind and your hearts saved to your Pinterest tabs, written on the back of that napkin, stuck to the, to the, to the mirror or, 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 or is in the car, whatever it may be in your journal, that the dedication matches. And maybe that's your prayer. Maybe your prayer is, Lord, or whatever God that you believe in, I believe in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to say, Lord, help me gain a better understanding of dedication that allows me to get the desires of my heart. All right, man, let's get into this sport thing. It's Eagles week. It's Cowboys Eagles week. And if you need any motivation for Cowboys Eagle, football ain't a thing for you. I, re I remember during my playing days, and this goes all the way back to, I, I mean, to Little League, to Pop Warner, to, to, to rec basketball. There were certain games where a, a, a coach didn't have to speak. When I was playing, when I was playing a, a rec league basketball, when Linden played Roselle, when Roselle played Linden, my coach ain't need to, he ain't need to pump us up. We knew what that was about. We knew those kids, those kids knew us. Eighth grade basketball, sixth, seven, eighth grade basketball, you played Linden. Coach didn't need to, he didn't need to get on you about coming to practice or what you had to do in that game. That's Linden Roselle. Come on. And then when I got into high school, it was your crosstown rival, Roselle Park or Roselle Catholic. But really, it was Hillside and Roselle. When you had those matchups, coach ain't need to tell you. Then I got to college, and, and when it was basketball, when you had to go and play that school in Durham, when you had to go play Duke and basketball, there wasn't no need. Coach, coach Williams didn't have to yell at us to get things right. When you had to go on the football field and play uh, NC State, you didn't need any. I didn't need any motivation for that. Then you get into the league. When I was with the Bengals, you didn't need motivation when it was Bengals Browns or Bengals Ravens. Huh? That's what this is. Cowboys Philly. Philly Cowboys. When you're playing your division rival, you don't need motivation. And not to bury the lead, Coach Mike McCarthy, who earlier today was experiencing some stomach pains, uh, uh, come to find out that his appendix burst. 
But luckily, he was ahead of the curve and went and had emergency appendix. What did they call that surgery? Appendic- he had appendicitis. He had appendicitis and he wouldn't have a, a appendix surgery. I don't know what they call the surgery. I'm no doctor. I did stay in the Holiday Inn one time or Motel 6 or whatever it was. But appendicitis, he had the surgery today. He, 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 he's to be in good spirits. The Cowboys proceed. What is it called? I can't even pronounce it. Then don't worry about <laughs> it. Appendectomy. Yeah, appendectomy. The appendix is gone. They packed the appendix up. It's out of there. The good thing is that it didn't, it didn't, it didn't burst, and those dyes didn't get in the system because that's gonna be the tragic part about that. But coach is to be in good spirits. He he has said that he will coach on Sunday, Sunday night football. But today practices were ran by the, the 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 coordinator. So that would be Brian Schottenheimer, that would be Bones Fossil, and that would be Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is one of those guys who um, has head coaching experience has been a head coach in the National Football League. But honestly, and uh, Tank Lawrence said this, uh, Tank said shout out to COVID. Because when, when COVID happens, you, you're able to, when it happened, you were able to function on a different playing field. You were able to do things virtually. You were able to make the, the shifts and the moves. And so when situations came up like this, you were able to get back to where you needed to get back to and however you need to get there. But Mike McCarthy wasn't at practice. And honestly, I'm going to be honest with y'all, Mike is not really needed at practice. Like I know, I get it, he's a play caller. Um, but most of the time, the game plan, it's, it's, it's discussed with all the coaches, but it, it's the assistants who put the game plan together, right? It's the assistants who get the cut-ups and the breakdowns each week to the player's hand, and they are, they're the ones who are repping it with the players, Mike is the CEO, and of course, when he's in there with the offense, he's putting the offensive plays down. But Mike Solari deals with the defense. I mean, the offensive line, um, and 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 you know, Prince deals with. I think it's Prince, the, the receivers, and everybody's dealt with their position coaches. So Mike McCarthy not being at practice today is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a thing, but it's not a bad thing. You don't need your head coach at practice every single day. You you can go a day or two without him because at week fourteen, practice routine is already in. You know when you come out. You know, pre-practice, you're going to stretch, you're going to do your warm-ups, you know, you're going to do pat and go, you're going to do your individual drill, and then you'll be able to get into your series of practices, right? On Wednesday, which is a padded practice day, you might work on first and ten stuff, right? Tomorrow you'll work on some second down stuff, some red zone stuff. Then on uh, Friday, uh, Friday, you'll work on some goal line stuff. And, and, and so all that stuff is already systematically put in place. Every, everything flows uh, like clockwork. In, in, in the practice when your coach is not there. So him not being there is not a, a, a sound the alarms. You hope that he's okay. Our thoughts and prayers are with coach and that he comes out on the other side of this uh, and, and able to get back to doing what we love doing, coaching football. But this is a huge week, man. We know with the Cowboys and, and the Eagles last game, 28-20, uh, 28-23, the Cowboys lost to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in Philadelphia. The Cowboys at home, They are rolling with a 14-game home winning streak. When they get at home, they cook. And this is so massive in the fact that the Cowboys win this game. They are now tied with Philadelphia for the division lead. Now that this is also the part where the Cowboys really get into the gauntlet part of their season, like for real, for real. 
because you'll go Philadelphia, you'll go, you'll go, uh, 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 you'll go Philadelphia, you go uh, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit. I don't know if Buffalo is going to be a playoff team, but other team will be playoff teams. Detroit, of course, is in the NFC, so you want to make sure that that's a seeding type game. Of course, in your division is Philadelphia. You want to make sure that's done well. But the Cowboys still have everything they want in front of them. You can, you can continue to hope and pray that the Philadelphia may fall off for another game. But if you go out and win, you've, you, you've positioned yourself for an opportunity. For an opportunity to win the division. But coming into this game, the thing that the Cowboys have to be better at Philadelphia just came off a whooping, just like the Cowboys, got a whooping from the Niners. I told y'all already how I feel about the Niners. When whole, when healthy, there is not a better football team on God's green earth, and that is including the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, and whoever the hell else you want to put in that conversation. Those dudes in Santa Clara are different. (laughs) They are. But Philadelphia just came off a butt whooping, and they're going to be motivated. They're going to be motivated as well. But the Cowboys should take from what they did the last game. Dak Prescott was absolutely electric. 375 yards. CeeDee Lamb, 191 yards on 11 catches in that game. Jake Ferguson had 91 yards in that game. They were doing some things. Dak was sacked five times in that game. That was the game that I guess, not I guess, that is the game that Terrence Steele did not want to watch film the next day. Because they got to a point in time where they just picked on him. But that game, that game, to me, I, and, and most of you, some of you, not, not all of you, but most of you, a lot of you, will, will go back and say, well, the refs, the refs, the refs. I don't get into that conversation. Never have, never will. But the one thing that stood out to me in that game were, was the discipline. Over 10 penalties. And the Cowboys and the Seahawks, you saw that in that game, the two most penalized teams in the, in the, in the league. One and two. The Cowboys have to be better. This is, this is the type of game when you play someone who is equal to or greater than you, you can't make the mental mistakes. And if anything, if anything cost the Cowboys that game in Philly, it was the mental mistakes. It was being on the two-yard line, having a false start. I believe it was a delay of game. Then it was two sacks. And then now you're standing there at the 26-yard line. You were two yards away from scoring the touchdown, and you backed yourself up. Your quarterback is running for the end zone, steps out of bounds. Got to be better than that. You're tight in. Receiving one-on-one. On fourth down situations, make sure that you get deeper than where you need to go. Deeper than the sticks, deeper than the goal line. Because if the pass brings you forward, if the guy's on your back and you have to come and meet the ball, now you've given up the leverage of where you actually needed to be if you're at the mark. You go past the mark, especially on fourth downs. Touchdown wiped off the board. And the plethora of penalties on both sides of the ball for the Cowboys. And that's how you left the link in Philadelphia with an L. The absolute lack of discipline. And the main thing about discipline, the the, the teams that are undisciplined football teams, 
It's either you coach it or you allow it. And a lot of times the Cowboys, I, I'm not saying that coach is coaching the dis- undisciplined, but I am saying that he's allowed it. Because when you have these things, when, when you lead the league or in the tops of the league in penalties, that, that don't happen in one week, ladies and gentlemen. That don't happen in two weeks, ladies and gentlemen. That is a consistent course that is carried over week in and week out. And when you're playing the Jets, the Giants, twice, Washingtons, twice, you will play them twice, um, the Panthers, when you're playing teams that you can afford to not be disciplined, you pick up disciplined bad habits. When you can, when you, when your technique is bad against a bad football team, you get away with it. And so, what ends up happening in your mind is it becomes anytime you're not practicing good habits, you're practicing bad habits. And if you practice anything enough, it becomes routine. And when the moment gets really, really pressure filled, and you have to rely because you, you know you hear the famous quote, right? Oh. Uh, he got stronger as the game went on. Well, that's physically not possible. <laughs> it's not possible. You, 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 you never rise to another level. You fall to your training. Those guys who seem like they gotten stronger and stronger as the game goes on, no, nah, they were just able to maintain their level of greatness far greater than you were. There was a dedication that was put in in practice in the offseason, OTAs, mini camp, training camp, that they were able to maintain a level of greatness far more than you could. So it seems as if they have gotten stronger when all the while you have gotten weaker. You fall into your talents. You fall into your training. You've fallen to the place of discipline. And so for the Cowboys, a lot of times when you begin to practice those undisciplined habits, when you face a team that is good as, that it is as good as you or better than you, you begin to fall back on the things that you have done the last six, seven, eight weeks. And while those things were, were, were more than okay to beat the Panthers, it's not okay to beat the, uh, the Niners. It's not okay uh, to beat Philadelphia. Because those guys, when you make a mistake, the athlete on the other side is so superior or as superior, they make you pay. And you saw that a lot in that game. Where there were moments and times in that game where you just weren't disciplined enough. You weren't assignment sound. But this Cowboys football team, and I, and, I, and, I, and I speak a lot about the defense, but offensively, the Cowboys got these bastards. They, 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 they got the dirty birds. There is, and I don't, I, I don't care how much film you watch. You can watch 20 million hours of film. There is nothing that you can say to me, 
to Jesse Holly that can convince me, Jesse Holly, that there is a DB, safety, cornerback, nickel, dime, that is in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform on that active roster that is good enough individually or as a whole to stop the Dallas Cowboys pass catchers. And that includes former All-Pro Kevin Byard. That includes former All-Pro Darius Slay, big play Slay. Food. Toast. They can't. They cannot. They cannot. They cannot. I'm going to say it again. They cannot hold up against the Dallas Cowboys pass catchers. And even now, and even in that game, 375 passing yards by Dak, three touchdowns. C.D. Lamb, 11 catches, 181 yards. Jake Ferguson had 90-something yards. Brandon Cooks didn't even get off. I think he had like one catch for seven or eight or nine yards or something like that. So now you have him emerging in this offense and now him getting it going. So if you add another 60 to 70 to maybe 80 yards from Brandon Cooks, they can't hold up. They can't hold up. They they want to run. They want to run that coverage on the back end where there's a, where there's 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 disguise as man to coverage or a, a man high single high or zone it. However they want to do it, can't hold up. Cannot hold up. The Cowboys offensively should eat these eat these dudes alive in the passing game. Now, I'm gonna say this because this because both can be true. I do believe that the pass catchers of the Dallas Cowboys are far more superior than the DBs of the Philadelphia Eagles. One of the things that Philadelphia relies on heavily, and get I get it, Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator, I get why you do it, my boy. Up front, you got the best defensive front in the world. But you start talking about Jalen Carter. The Baby Rhino, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Hassan Riddick. And you got that rotation going? The hope is that those guys can get to the quarterback, which then make the job of the back end a lot easier. The problem is the ball has been coming out so quick across the league that those guys haven't had the true opportunity at times because Sweat is amongst the, the tops in pressures. Same thing with Hassan Reddick, pressures. Uh, uh, J- Jalen Carter, pressure up the middle. They, they, they can make it very, very difficult for you. They can. They can. And they did. They sacked Dak five times. Thank God he held on to the football. But they can make life very difficult. You're not going to run on them, unless you're the Niners, of course. But most teams, the last time we played uh, Philadelphia at that time, they were only giving up 65 yards rushing per game. They just don't allow it. They're just too big, too strong, too physical, too fast, too athletic, too anticipatory. I mean, they're a good group. They get Zach Cunningham back this week from injury. Of course, you know, they just signed Shaq Leonard. I don't know how much he's going to play in that game, if any. But this team, they, they want to be physical up front. 
They want to make it very difficult for your run game. They want to make it very difficult for your quarterback. But they didn't. The Cowboys' offensive line, and Terrence Steele had his moments where he just weren't, wasn't a good football player. Hassan Reddick can do that to you. He's a good, good player. And he can make life very difficult for you as an offensive lineman. But you got to get the ball out quick. Don't allow Hassan Reddick to work on Terrence Steele. Get it out quick. Get the design plays that the balls come out quick and you allow CD and Brandon Cooks and Tolbert and, 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 and Ferg and all the others guys to get the ball in their hands and get yak. Because these DVs give up the ghosts. They're going to give it up. It is there for the taking. Absolutely. The Cowboys have to look at this game as, as the season. Because if you don't win this game, you pretty much you pretty much can rule out any opportunity of winning the division. And then now you'll only be worried about protecting the fifth seed. Because what you don't want to do, and I don't care what any of y'all say, what you don't want to do is you don't want to have that situation where you start sliding and now you got to go to Santa Clara to open up the season. You want to hold off as long as you possibly can to deal with those Niners. You do. And hopes that someone else has a great day and knock them off for you. I don't think it's happening, but anything's possible. But this is one of those games, man, where, where, where if you love football, not like football, but if you love the game, you want this matchup. You, 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 you want this opportunity to showcase yourself, especially at home. The Cowboys are averaging over 40 points at home this season. Opponents have been averaging um, a, a little bit less, a little bit more, a little less than 20 points a game around that average. This is a place where the Cowboys, and I, don't, and I don't even know if it's because the Cowboy fans make it a raucous place to play. or it's a, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't believe it to be like, you know, the Cowboys long hadn't had home field advantage. It's, it's been a wine and cheese crowd, a corporate crowd for a long time. You know, Jerry prices out the good fans. He, he makes it difficult for the hardworking man or woman or family to come to a game because of the price of the tickets, the price of parking, the price of food. You, 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 you damn near got you, you to gotta take out a loan to attend the Cowboys games. Or sit way up there where Jerry can high-five you on the way of his helicopter. That's how high you got to sit. And those tickets be $200. You sitting right, you might well sit in the living room with Jesus and the disciples at the table watching the game way up there. But the Cowboys at home have been top notch. And that's another reason why you want to go out there and win this game for the possibility that maybe, just maybe, if Philadelphia falls off, things happen, that we can get a first round bye or we can get a home game or have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Those things would be great, especially the way that you're playing at home. That would be phenomenal. I, I think it's still a long shot, but a shot nonetheless. 
shoot or shoot. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I think Jordan and Gretzky and Michael Scott said that. But this is one of those games where the count, if you're not up for this, Philly's going to be in town. Their fans are going to travel. They're going to travel. They always have a good crowd when they come here. The team's going to be ready. They got their butt whooped. They're going to show that. I, I, I don't. I hope. I think so. I don't. I hope. I think so. I think they're going to show a level of resiliency. If they are, if they are true to who they say they are, they have some championship pedigree in them. They're going to come and want to bounce back. And the only way to get that sour whooping taste out your mouth that you just took at the hands of the Niners is beat up on somebody else. If you can go out there and get a win over the Cowboys and, and basically solidify that you're going to be division champions, it's not a bad way to rebound. So the Cowboys have to meet and match and overtake the fourth that the Niners are going to be coming with. In fact, the Cowboys should be the one setting the tone. They have to be the tone setters at home. They have to come out, take the ball. I want the ball. I ain't saying you got to have your boom box like the Niners, but you got to find out a way to do Like last week against, against Seattle, when Ferg and all them, they were chirping and, and Dak was doing all it. Like you got to have that energy. That got to be the energy that you come with. So you can't be flip-flopping back and forth. Either you tough or you not. Either you physical or you not. Either you about that life or you not. You can't be playing hokey pokey about the attitude. We got we to gotta make this a staple of who you are and ride out with that. Be ride or die with who you are. So, Ferg, if that's who you're going to be, then be that. That If that's who you're going to be, here we go. Be that. Defense, what it's going to be, be that. For sure, be that. But be that all day, every day. Don't be physical one game or because somebody talked to you, now you want to nah, be who you are. That's what I love. And I know y'all hate me talking about it. I don't care. That's what I love and admire about the Niners. They are. They didn't turn Christian McCaffrey to... To, 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 a, to a tough football player. I ain't saying he wasn't tough before, but he ain't this tough. That joke is physical now. If you whistled his way in Carolina, he was out for three to six weeks. If you at Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, he was out on IR. He get to San Fran and he gets around Fred Warner and Greenlaw and, and, and Debo and Trent. And all of a sudden now, he a super gremlin. <laughs> they converted McCaffrey into a super gremlin. He listened to the NBA young boy. I, I don't know none of the songs, but I ain't playing football. So the Cowboys have to come out there and be who they are from jump. You don't need no extra motivation. You don't need Michael Irvin on the big jumbotron doing a motivational speech. I don't need the Navy SEALs to come in and tell me about survival mode. I don't, I don't need all the exterior stuff to come in. And if this game don't get your attention, nothing will. And this game is an important game for the Cowboys to win, I believe, for the psyche. For the psyche of the team.
And they right. We can't beat nobody that's good. Or, nah, we can beat good football teams. And on top of that, this is a team. I believe that if your plans of going to Vegas in February as one of the hosting teams of the Super Bowl and not a visitor of the event, got to see him again. Got to see him again. It's going that that road is going to have to go through most likely probably Santa Clara or Philly and or both. So why not go ahead and punch him in the mouth now and let him know, I'll be back. I got some more of that for you. I, I gave you a little bit of this, but I got a little bit more for you when I come back. <laughs> See you in a few weeks. In the words of, of Steve Smith Sr., ice up, son. Yeah. That has to be the motto. That has to be the motto. You can't leave out of there what you covering your eyes on. Man, they jumped me. They ain't jumped you. Ain't nobody jumped you. You can't come. You can't do that. You got to go out there and be victorious in this game. Cowboys, Eagles, Sunday, and Sunday night football. Everybody mother watching that Sunday night football. The world is watching. It'll probably be another one of those big viewed games as Cowboys seem to do anytime they play another really good opponent. So I'm psyched about that. Not really because I hate doing the post-game show to 11, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm asleep by that time. Tay is up. He up. I'm not up. He is up. Up, up. He's probably, he's probably working on unfiltered, though. So I'll give him a little bit of a pass. But he up. I'm not up. I'm in the REM sleep. Let me get that out there. Pause. I'm in the REM sleep. R-E-M. <laughs> um, as I close out Cowboy Eagles Tank, Tank Lawrence, he has been nominated as the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Dallas Cowboys. He does great work in the community. Dak is a recipient, a winner. Uh, you'll see Dak on his, on his jersey. He wears that Walter Payton uh, symbol patch on this jersey. Tank is a nominee. 32 of them. Every team gets a nominee. And for the Cowboys this year is Tank Lawrence. So shout out to Tank and all that he does and his family does in the community. That's a big thing. It's a huge thing to do in the community. Uh, for those, I have, do have Holly's Helping Hands. Uh, for if those that know me, Holly's Helping Hands, you can go to my Twitter page, at Mr. Fortalong. The link to donate is in the bio. If you're looking to donate, and I'll bring this up later on, if you're looking to donate, you can hit you can hit me up, email me. Um, it's Holly's H O L L E Y S Helping H E L P I N G Hands H A N D S at gmail.com. You send me that, you shoot me an email uh, from there. Myself or somebody from the team will get back to you, shoot you the link for you can donate, and don't think uh, uh, you can't donate. Five, ten, fifteen, whatever you got. You, we put enough five dollars together, we got something. Uh, I'm part of it this year with Sharing Life, and, and I love Sharing Life because they do great things in the community, and so does Holly's Helping Hands, as well as Tank Lawrence and company. All right, man, let's get let's get around uh, the sports. We're going all over the place. Baseball winter meetings. They call it the winter meetings? Yeah. The winter meeting. What was that, Nashville? Nashville. Tay was there. Went down to Nashville. 
for the baseball winter meetings. And I think the biggest news there, I'm not diving all into all everything that was happening down at the winter meetings. The big news, the 30,000 feet view news, is of course surrounded around Shohei Otani. The free agent, pitcher, hitter, um, the reigning AL MVP, the unicorn of baseball. And while I believe, this is just me personally, I believe that, that Manford and the, the, the optics around Major League Baseball, they just don't do a good enough job to me in, in, in highlighting their stars. This was supposed to be – this. Uh, remember when LeBron James was making the decision and he was a free agent? There wasn't a day that had went by that people weren't talking about the decision. There was a countdown to it. There was media coverage. There was speculations. There was uh, filming where his plane was going to land, where he was going, who he was with. I mean, it was every day. It, it consumed you because LeBron at that time, and it's still, it's still now, but at that time was the biggest thing in basketball. And when I think about these free agents that are coming up in all other sports, the NBA is really funny now because guys are all jumping around now trying to be part of big twos, big threes. When I think about it now, we don't even hear nothing about it. We, we, we don't, you, you can go days. You can, we have gone days, days on the, on the sports channels, it ain't, on, it ain't on the sports talk shows. It ain't, on, it ain't headlining. When you click on the websites, it ain't headlining. It ain't even headlining. Like when you click on the website and you go to the baseball portion of the website, Shohei ain't even the first pitcher up there. And this is going to be whenever he signs to whoever he signs, it's going to be the largest contract ever signed in any American sport, not just baseball. It's going to be the largest contract signed. It, I mean, right now, it's upwards of what? Five, six hundred million dollars? Four hundred million dollars? Four to six million dollars. Hundred, excuse me. Hundred million dollars. Half a billy. Uh, and and I, this, ain't, this ain't the Patrick Mahomes fake half a billy. Patrick Mahomes, it says half a billy. That's fake half a billy. We all know that. This real half a billy. This is 500, 400, 500, 600 million dollars will, over time, will be paid out to this man. Yet, it's an afterthought. It's a conversation after you talk about Aaron Rodgers' recovery. It's a, it's a conversation after we talk about the college football playoffs. It's a conversation after we talk about um, the play-in in the NBA. It's a conversation after you speak about so many other things. When the best baseball player in the world is a free agent. And part of it's Shohei's fault. I will agree. 
Because Shohei, and maybe it's culture, maybe it's it's not wanting to be, uh, I don't know, I don't know, but Shohei and his team, they're telling the team that they meet with, hey, let's keep this exclusively under wraps. Let's not let the word get out. I don't want folks to know I talked to you or this team or that team or this team or whoever. No, don't tell everybody I, I met with you or I was in Florida here or I was in. And so Shohei is, 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 is kind of putting, and, I, and he is, putting pressures on the team because if a team comes out, if Shohei said, hey, we're, we're going to talk, we're going to have a conversation, but I, I, I prefer this didn't get out. And that team lets it out. Now Shohei's like, well, because whether you believe it or not, athletes can be very, 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 very sensitive individuals. Very sensitive individuals. And that can turn Shohei off. But you know, and there's been there's been articles written by uh, Nightingale and Rosenthal and Passin and 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 you name it. They've all written articles about it. And and I, and I get their I get their gripe because they're thinking about you know what? Shoot, the more we hear about this, the more information we have. What can we do? We can report. We can tweet. We can write stories. What does that do? For for Jeff Passan, what does that do for Ken Rosenthal? What does that do for 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 uh give me another name? Uh another baseball writer. Uh, uh Nightingale, who's the other one? Um Rosenthal, Rosenthal Passan, Nightingale, there's another one. Whoever the hell it is. What it does for Buster them? Only. Huh? Buster only. What it does for Buster only and those guys is they get stories, those stories get clicks, they get paid. Everybody wants to eat. Everybody eat, B. Major League Baseball will eat because guess what? Your topic of discussion. This is the thing that, 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 that wears me out with baseball. It's like you want to grow this sport. You want to make the casual fans interested. You got to give us something to sell. If we don't even talk about Shohei, how does the casual fan get interested? I have to be in there because I'm in sports. Tay's a baseball fan. He loves baseball. There are some baseball purists. But when you're battling the NBA, the faces of the NBA, when you're battling uh, um, the NFL, when you're battling the, 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 the college football bowl season right now for headlines, you got to give me some more of that. You got to give me some more Shohei. Let's talk about him. Let's hear about him. And if Shohei's not giving the information to all the names of the writers, then how can they put it out there in the networks? But there has been talks about teams, Dodgers, Mariners, Giants. They say the Rangers are out, but CY's been doing some stuff that, you know, it's it's a, they're supposed to be this mystery team. The Blue Jays is in the in in the in the mix. They're supposed to be this mystery team for Shohei. We don't know. We don't know. But I wish that there were more coverage. I wish that I could come in here and talk more about it because it's an interesting conversation. Now, whenever the other shoe drops, and this is the part, like this is the part of, of, of the time where deals are getting made. Guys are getting signed. Guys are getting traded. They get down to Nashville. They're having these conversations. Deadline makes deals. You have a glass of bourbon. You know what I'm saying? You're sitting at a table. You, you, you're breaking bread and you're making deals. 
This is when it's happening. Should be more topic of discussion. But it's not. But we'll see. I mean, eventually Shohei will have to sign somewhere. Right? And when he does, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but Major League Baseball, man, overall has to do a much better job uh, um, with that. All right, man. Uh, Derek Carr, brother, uh, excuse me, David Carr, brother of Derek Carr. David Carr, now an analyst on NFL Network. He had some things to say. I'm not calling David Carr a racist. What I am going to say is, because I don't know if he is or not. What I am going to say that what he said, when you look at the history of black quarterbacks in the National Football League, there's some racist undertone to it. Again, I'm not calling David. This is not a this is not an assassination of his character. I don't know him. Long in the NFL, when it came to the, the times have changed, and, it, and they've changed because they have no choice. They, they've changed because the black quarterback, which was which was few and far between in the National Football League was only skilled players, was only the running back or the receiver or the DB or the linebacker. For long, it was thought that the black quarterback wasn't intelligent enough to play the position. Sure, he can throw the ball a mile. Sure, he can jump over uh, 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 a burning building. He was faster than the locomotive. But he can't read defenses. The black quarterback was, was looked at as the in, they were looked at as inferior when it came to the intelligent department when it took to be a quarterback in the National Football League. That ain't my opinion. That is the history. So when, when David Carr comes out and he has a comment uh, the other night and he talks about Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, uh, the black quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, they talked about him being hurt, and he said, you know what? They should probably play Marcus Mariota because with Jalen Hurts being hurt, it limits his ability to run. And when you limit his ability to run, that means that he has to be a pocket passer, and one of the areas that he struggles in is reading the defense from the pocket. Again, I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that David Carr is, is racist, don't know the man, don't have any interactions with him. I'm saying what he said, and I'm I'm far from the person that like you just come to the internet to just be offended by something. No, no, that ain't me. That's not me. Never was. Never will be me. But I do feel is that when you speak on certain things, especially on these national platforms where everybody gets a chance to hear you, and there are been there have been other cases. Where, the, where people use their platform to throw little innuendos and, 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 and kind of subliminal messages through the, thing that they, the way that they deliver things. And then he came back and he was like, well, let me clarify. And then he really didn't clarify anything. He literally just said the same thing he said before. And, you know, it's saying like they should go to Mariota. He's a, he, he can read the field better and yada, 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 yada. And so I, I, I do agree with David Carr in the sense of that there is something wrong physically with Jalen Hurts. He's hurting somewhere. It ain't showing up on the practice report, I can tell you that. 
But you can tell that he is a laboring player. He's not as spry as he was in years prior. But when you say certain things, you have to understand when it comes out of your mouth how it sounds. And when you talk about quarterbacks in that sense, you got to be very careful when saying things of that there's a lack of understanding, there's a lack of coverage intelligence, and that he needs his legs to be successful. Again, I'm not saying that Derek, David, David, David Carr is racist. I'm saying when you look at the history of how many, 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 many people who are still in the National Football League, whether it be coaches, owners, GMs, writers, have long looked at black quarterbacks in the sense of, sure, he could be my receiver for 100%. That boy can run. Sure, he could be my running back. Look at sweetness. He got moves. Absolutely, he could be my tight end. Uh-huh. He can rush the passer. He can defend the pass and all that kind of stuff. But when it came to making the quarterback the franchise player for a long time, a long time, they didn't look like me. And it wasn't because that they didn't have the ability. They didn't look like me because for a long time, those who were in the place and the power position to place them at the quarterback position felt that they did not have the intelligence to do so. We've long seen that change. We're looking down the National Football League and things look different. Quarterbacks look like me getting paid the big bucks. So when David Carr says that, I just want David Carr to understand you have to be very, very, very precise in how you say things because it can come off as a former white quarterback, David Carr. It can come off with, with, the, with, the, with the racist undertone when we know and understand the history of black quarterbacks in the National Football League. Speaking of quarterback, the Jacksonville Jaguars, all-world quarterback Trevor Lawrence, got hurt in the game, Monday night game, in a loss to Jake Browning and the Bengals. His offensive lineman stepped on his ankle, high ankle sprain. He's at home, can't walk. Most people think, bring the cart out. I mean, hell, you're in Duval. You're in, you're, there's more golf carts in Florida than it is people. <laughs> but Trevor Lawrence, we all watched on national TV, him walk back to the locker room. And many of you, like me, thought to themselves, they not have a cart in Jacksonville? What a poor franchise. They got a pool in the stadium but no cart. But uh, Trevor Lawrence came out today and said, I refused. The cart don't know why he refused the cart. I don't know if it was – I think he felt tough walking off the field, but uh, high ankle sprain. Don't know if he'll play this upcoming week, but newsflash, according to Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence, they got golf carts. They do have carts. They could have got him off the field. Go figure. Uh, I reported last show that Zach Wilson, uh, the starting backup, backup to the backup quarterback for the New York – I don't know what he is now – of the New York Jets, there were many, many, many reports that the, the Jets were going 
Back to Zach Wilson. What a cluster mess is going on in New York City right now with the Jets. Oh, I would hate to be a part of that. If I was Garrett Wilson, I'm like, you know what, bro, my hamstring hurts. Put me on IR for the rest of the year. I don't want to be a part of this this circus anymore. It is it is a circus. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, while he had all the, the, the anticipation of he may return, now it looks like he's not returning at all. So Robert Sala and company are going back to Zach Wilson. Well, earlier in the week, Sunday, uh, the reports came out that Zach Wilson said, uh, not so fast. Not going back out there, my boy. <laughs> Find somebody else. Well, that report uh, has come out today, and Zach Wilson will be the starter of the New York football Jets this upcoming week. Uh, should be interesting. Should be interesting. Either Zach Wilson is going to continue to fail at quarterback, or he's going to somehow, some way, find a way to, to put together some good games. At least he can have some good film so that another team in the league can go, you know what? He's not as bad. He needs a fresh start. Because he, he got to be going from New York. He can't, he can't come back next year. He cannot. Pack him up. Uh, the Niners and the Eagles played uh, last week. And in the middle of the butt whooping that was taking place by the Niners to Philadelphia, there was a little sideline skirmish. Dre Greenlaw, the linebacker of the, Philadelphia, excuse me, of the 49ers, got into it with the head of security. The head of security of the Philadelphia Eagles. And they went back and forth. Head of security put his hands on him. And Drake Greenlaw put his hands back in his face. Well, there's no beef there. They actually knew each other. Uh, their apologies were made across the board. Uh, Dom, the security guard, and Drake Greenlaw, as well as John Lynch. Story comes out that they actually know each other. I don't know what the degree of which and how they know each other. But it's not as bad as we think it is. So they've dapped it up and cleaned it up, and, uh, and, 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 and now everything is, is hunky-dory. I want to go to a weird, weird, weird story happening in the National Football League to a retired player in the National Football League. One of my former teammates, really good dude, really liked being his teammate at the time. T.J. Hush Menzada. He is dealing with this insane stalker. Now, I don't know if TJ back in the day got with this woman, laid the hammer down. Because sometimes if you lay the hammer down right, they will stalk you. But then sometimes we live in a crazy, crazy world where people. There's a guy. This is completely random. There's a guy who. Um, Ruby Red, who is a as an artist, musical artist, but also has an OnlyFans page. There's a guy who spent over sixty thousand dollars on her OnlyFans page, got a like tattoo on him, and like she exposes him on the internet. He's mad now. Now he's stalking Ruby Rose. So there's some weird folks out there. If anybody wants to spend sixty bands on me, <laughs> let me know. Let me know. I'll send you. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But anyway, T.J. Hushmanzada, he uh, he files for a restraining order on this uh, this lady named Annette, uh, who changed her name. She literally changed her name. Her first name is Annette Marie. Um, she changed her name to Hushmanzada. T.J. said he's making my life miserable for he and his family since 2015. This is an it's going on close to 10 years. He got a restraining order on her that ended uh, 
It says TJ actually had a restraining order placed on the fan in 2015. Uh, it expired in 2019, and she continued to harass the family. The Cincinnati ba- uh, Bengals wideout says Annette used to go by Annette Sle- uh, Selrick, but legally changed her surname to Hushman Zada after developing a bizarre and extreme obsession with TJ and his family. TJ claimed that the woman has been posing as the mother of his children online, making contact with his wife, also sending harassing emails and personal items to his home. TJ also said in the docs that once he received a letter from Annette in which she stated that she had several bullets inscribed with the names of each of the members of the Hushman Zada family. Hushman Zada acted just to order the woman to stay at least 500 yards away from him and his family, as well as to stop using his last name to gain access to his personal affairs. That is insane. Bullets inscribed with the names of the family members of TJ Hushman Zada. That's wild. I, I pray for TJ and his family because anytime you start having a person that says stuff like that, using your last name, showing up to your events, she clearly she has his address. That's dangerous. That's dangerous because I'm sure she probably knows where his kids go to school. That is dangerous. And, and, I, and I pray uh, for the Hushmans out of family that everything is okay. And that this lady, she, she I don't know, arrest her, do whatever you got to do, but a, a man and his family should not have to endure um, that kind of treatment. All right, and we're going to end with this. This might be a little bit of speculation. This is speculation for my part. This is speculation for me. But as we get ready well, to take on the college football playoffs, the, the, the teams have already been announced. And boy, has there been some uproar and outrage for a specific team that was left off. The 13-0 winners of the ACC Power 5 Conference, the Florida State Seminoles, were left out of the Final Four. The Final Four committee said, we're going to go with Michigan, we're going to go with Washington, we're going to go with Texas, and we're going to go with Alabama, leaving Florida State on the outside looking in. And now Florida State is... uh, what bowl was that? Florida State is to play Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Well, there has been some speculation, and I say speculation strongly. Uh, the the news conference was scheduled for tomorrow, today when you guys are watching this, has been canceled because the speculation is Florida State is going to give the double birds to the Orange Bowl and say, screw y'all, we're not participating. We're not showing up. We're not going to be a part of some secondary thing when we deserved from record, from winning the conference, to be in the playoff picture. And if Florida State does that, because most of, if not all of, the, the especially the January 1st Bowls, the big bowls, have already been filled. Have already been filled. But 
if Florida State decides to continue this and actually do it, if I am the committee of the Orange Bowl, my first phone call is to Oregon. Now, Oregon is already in the bowl. They're going to play Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl. I had it pulled up. I don't know where it went. I believe it's the Fiesta Bowl. I believe it's the Fiesta Bowl. They're playing Liberty. But if I'm the committee, I call and I go, hey, Oregon, you want to come play? You want to come play Georgia? Now, Oregon may say, nah, we good. <laughs> we good. And if I, if I call Oregon and they say no, I hang up the phone and I pick up the phone and I call Notre Dame. I say, hey, fighting, Alana, fighting Irish, do you guys want to come put your team on the national stage and play Georgia in the Orange Bowl? I know you guys are already in the bowl, but you're in the bowl in El Paso. Do you want to come play? In our, if Notre Dame says no, I hang up the phone and I call LSU. I say, hey, baby, do y'all want to come play in the Orange Bowl? We need somebody to play against Georgia. LSU is in the SEC. LSU did not play Georgia this year. That would be a good game, I think, maybe. And on top of that, you have Jaden Daniels, who will probably win the Heisman Trophy this year. So you have a storyline to build up around that. But it's going to be very interesting to see if Florida State decides to go, boo, boo, to the Orange Bowl and say, screw y'all. Screw all the committees. Screw all the bowls. We didn't, you didn't put us. I don't know if that's babyish or not. Take my ball and go home. But I feel the frustration. I feel the frustration. Because what more do you have to do? I won every single game. And I'm supposed to be in a Power 5 conference. And I win the conference. And you still leave me on the porch. If Florida State does that, it'll be the first time ever that a team, I want to say ever, It'll be the first time ever that a team decides we good, especially for the, for the January 1st Bowls, like the big bowls. The big bowls, those, those are money bowls. Those are, are national TV. Those are money bowls. It'll, 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 it'll set a precedent. It will. That will be reported. I kind of want to see it happen. I'm not going to lie. The spiciness in me wants to see Florida State say, you know what? Screw y'all. I'm out. I'm good. I'm good. And then also, one last thing as far as college football. I know that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, headed to the SEC next year, but their game will continue. Contracts were signed today. that This game has now been uh, extended. The Red River rivalry that's played every single year in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl between Texas and Oklahoma is now solidified until 2036. So for another 13, 14, 12, 13 years, well, 2024 is what it is, so 12 more years. So 12 more years that they'll play the game at the Cotton Bowl. In addition to that, the city of Dallas found, I don't know where they found it at, they found $140 million. They're going to give a facelift and a makeover to the Cotton Bowl. One of the oldest stadiums around. The first home of the Dallas Cowboys at the Cotton Bowl. 
That play, I lived in the Cotton Bowl. I, I won fourth and long. We lived inside the locker room of the Cotton Bowl. I'm telling you, there's bugs and there's rodents in that locker room. So they're gonna get they're gonna get a facelift. 140 million dollars uh, renovation has been designated to the Cotton Bowl, and that game of Texas and Oklahoma will continue to 2036. All right, man, that's all I got for you guys, man. I appreciate you all being here. I love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are far too kind. Remember, like, subscribe, hit the notification button. Go to the, the clips page, Fanatics View, Mr. Fault Along on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Remember, donate to Holly's Helping Hand. The link is in my bio on Twitter. If not, hit me up at Holly's, H-O-L-L-E-Y-S, helping, H-E-L-P-I-N-G, hands, H-A-N-D-S, at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Someone will respond with the link for you to donate uh, from there. I appreciate you, man. Uh, like they say on Coming to America. Um, now, we don't mind the kind that jingles, but we rather the kind that folds. So dig deep in your pockets, man, and make sure you donate to Holly's Helping Hands. Uh, I'm out, man. That's all I got for you. Remember, remember, desire is I want it, but dedication is I won't stop until I got it. Desire is not enough when the dedication is absent. You got to be present with dedication. Remember, never let anyone tell you that their lives are better than yours because it is your life. Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out.